This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are still on the Misbehaving Pastors series with Donald, the one and only fabulous Pentecostal minister. I try. <laughs> so if you are new to Sacred Tension, hello, I'm so glad you're here. Also, go back and listen to the first episode in this series or else you will be very, very lost. <laughs> very lost, as if this series isn't going down a rabbit hole all on its own. It'll be even worse. Oh, God. Okay, well, so we were covering Perry Noble and... Perry Jim, Stone, dear. Uh, not Perry Noble. Who's Perry Noble? Isn't Perry Noble someone? Or did I just make that name up? I'm going to look that up because I kind of wonder because that, that's fun. Perry Noble. An American preacher, author, and former senior pastor. So, yeah. Oh, Perry Noble is, yeah, he's a disgraced pastor that I've read about. But anyway, okay, so that's a different topic. So <laughs> we have covered uh, Perry Stone and Jim Baker. Now we're moving on to other misbehaving pastors. Yes. Some of these now, we're getting into some that unless you're really entrenched in the evangelical world, you might not know about. But some of these you will know about simply because they are on Trump's evangelical advisory board. Oh, very good. Which, by the way, I have the list of who those people are, which I, pr I plan on reading in this episode. <laughs> okay, excellent. Anyway, but first, we have Rick Joyner. Yeah. Now, this is actually a good... I didn't plan it this way, but this is actually a good springboard from Jim Baker because, fun fact... Rick Joyner's church is the proper is located on the property. He bought the property that was PTL, Jim Baker's compound. Yes, and fun story, when I was in Youth with a Mission, I visited a star what was it? Morning Star. Morning Star, yeah. Yeah. When I was in YWAM, I visited Morning Star and it was like a Christian theme park. It, but it was like a weird, creepy, scary, decaying carnival theme park. It like yeah it, it was like i don't know it, it was very scary like something you'd watch on ghost adventures or something. yeah exactly and, and so there was all like this sun bleached decaying decrepit fair stuff it was very weird and then the church the main church where the stage was was like this gaudy hotel and it was so bizarre it, yeah. it was very like casino-esque now if Rick Joyner, for those who don't know, is a very big name in the prophetic movement. So he values himself a prophet. He's written, He wrote a series of three books of a prophecy he got, and it reads like an epic fantasy novel. Yeah, it does. It's called The Call, isn't it? No, The, the Quest, yeah, The Vision, I'm something so, like that. There are, I think that's the name of all of the books, actually, So, because it's a three-part book series okay that i did read in my earlier days so what has he said lately so he's rick joiner says god hid bin laden from the u.s to expose chinese support for islamic terrorism what does that even mean i mean i i hear the words that's exactly why i picked this one it's like i hear the words but it makes no sense yeah this is so fascinating i think his antennas are a little crossed or non-existent. Or non-existent. I think so. I think we're picking up the Holy Spirit and Alex Jones's channel at the same time. You know what's so interesting? So I spent quite a bit of time 
in the like prophetic circles. And when I was in youth with a mission, it would they the base that I was at was very Pentecostal. Some YWAM bases are less, some YWAM bases are more. Mine was on the more prophetic, charismatic end of things. You were in Colorado, weren't you? That was my second school. I was in Charlotte first, and then I went to Colorado. Okay. So we went when it was when I was at Charlotte that we went to Morningstar and we Because you're just right there at it. There was lots of prophetic stuff. I moved through prophetic circles. I'm fascinated. I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but I'm fascinated now by what is actually happening during prophecy when people prophesy. I think it's neurologically, I think it's psychologically fascinating. I think we've got a lot of intuitive types that are attracted to the charismatic circles, and I think we cold read people. Yeah, I think so too. You know, for people who don't know what cold reading is, and I, I talked some about cold reading in my Tarot reading interview with Caleb Rowe from Air of Grievances. Cold reading is basically where the psychic or the televangelist or the healer or whatever will throw out something and basically say, I'm getting the color red or I'm getting this date or I'm getting this sensation. And then the audience or the person will feel feedback the information and and that's just one method of cold reading but it, it's really intuiting your audience and if you don't know what's happening it genuinely looks like it's supernatural i mean it genuinely looks like it's a miracle i know there are a lot of people that don't believe in the supernatural you know but i'm one that does you know i've done stuff like that too but i i don't think that it's uh and I think there's some genuine intuitive insight that can happen. But oh, it's... me too. There are some prophecies that I received that were genuinely powerful. I mean, there were some experiences that I had that were genuinely powerful. Anyway, <laughs> that is another conversation. Yeah. Uh, and yet, you know, there's a lot of trigger moments in this. We probably ought to put trigger warnings on, the, on these two parts. <laughs> anyway, so... This is, of course, written by our great friend and martyr, Kyle Mantella. Yes. I seriously want to know if this dude is okay. Oh, and by the way, I said this in the previous show, but I need to do it again here. All of the material here is from Right Wing Watch, uh, used with permission from People for the American Way. Okay. On sun- Okay, so, and I'm reading the article here. On Sunday, Right Wing passed... Oh, this was on May 15th, 2018. On Sunday... Right-wing pastor Rick Joyner appeared on Your Voice, America's Faith and Freedom Program. Uh-huh. I don't know what that is. Where he claimed that following 9-11, he told the intelligence community that God... Okay, so I'm picturing this in my head. Rick Joyner going to the FBI office <laughs> uh-huh. and telling them that God was hiding Osama bin Laden. Because the extended hunt for him would allow the U.S. to uncover crucial information about the way China was supposedly being secretly using Islamic terrorism to take down America. Oh, God. Okay. Joyner has previously claimed that the government contacted him. In the wake of September 11th terrorist attacks because the intelligence community desperately needed somebody to help interpret and translate prophetic revelation. Oh my god. Okay, read that last <laughs> <laughs> read Okay, read that last one again. Read it read it one more time. Oh, oh, can your brain handle it? Yes, it, it can uh, It can handle it. Just read it one more time. Okay. <laughs> jo- <laughs> Joyner has previously claimed that the government contacted him in the way... <laughs> 
<laughs> probably through the microwave. <laughs> yes, probably through the microwave. <laughs> or the toaster, whichever one had better reception. You see, note to listeners, I've, I only found the headlines and wrote them down. So not only is Stephen hearing these for the first time, but I'm reading the whole article for the first time. So this is not staged in any way. The government contacted him in the wake of the September 11th terrorist attacks because the intelligence community desperately, quote, needed somebody to help interpret and translate prophetic revelation and that he and other modern-day prophets were given encrypted phones, emails, everything we could communicate really quick, and when we got something prophetically. On Sunday, Joyner claimed while serving in this capacity, he prophetically told his contacts that they weren't going to catch Osama bin Laden for a while, and I told them God is going to hide him, and then I told them why God was hiding him. (laughs) And it was because on the trail of seeking to find Osama bin Laden, they were going to find out some things they needed to know, and they didn't know, and I gave them the details of some of these things. Okay, so this is Rick Joyner going undercover agent. Yeah, undercover prophet. Jesus fucking Uh, Christ. I, okay... Here, okay, let me just go on a rant. One of the things that I think defines a lot of these people is that they have this aggrandizing, self-aggrandizing fantasy in which, okay, and you see this in a lot of these people. A lot of these people, be they conspiracy theorists from flat earthers to UFO people to Alex Jones to these prophetic types and ministers to cult leaders, a lot of them give themselves imaginary honorariums. A lot of them give themselves like imaginary adventures and badass stories and all of this stuff. And and so there's this need. It's almost like you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. This is why we need John on the show, my partner, who is a therapist and who could probably have a lot of insight into this stuff. But it's too dang shy to come on. <laughs> yeah, he he'll he'll probably. I asked him. I asked him if he wants to come on some, and he might. But I I don't think he will anytime soon. And that's okay. I'm the I'm the loud mouth in the relationship, and that's healthy. <laughs> that's healthy for us. We balance each other out really well. But yeah. So I'm not a psychologist. I don't really know what the fuck I'm talking about. But what I do know is that there's this pattern of these delusional people really having these self-aggrandizing myths about themselves. And this is another self-aggrandizing myth that Rick Joyner was contacted covertly by the United States to interpret prophetic messages. And so this is putting him in like in this code encrypting like really it's the X-Men. <laughs> Yeah, it's the X-Men or or it's like cryptographers having to break enigma, but they're doing it through prophetic stuff and it has to be undercover. I mean, this is it's a it is a self-aggrandizing fantasy and there's something deeply insecure within these people that they feel the need to tell these stories about themselves. And maybe I'm totally missing the mark and someone who has a better insight into this can correct me. But that's what I'm getting. I mean, you see the founder of the Aetherius Society, which is an obscure cult, alien new religious movement, I should say. I'm trying to use the word cult less and use the word new religious movement more. People can listen to my interview with Joseph Laycock for more on that. The founder of the Aetherian Society 
was this way, where he just gave himself all of these bullshit honorariums and medals. L. Ron Hubbard famously did this, where L. Ron Hubbard claimed all of these prestigious awards and medals for himself and successes that and none of them were true. This is kind of standard. This this is kind of the way it goes. This is one time I'm actually glad that you cuss so much on your podcast because it acts as evangelical repellent. Yeah, it, it really does. Because, because, because otherwise, somebody would get a hold of this and just heard you compare Rick Joyner to L. Ron Hubbard, and we would get absolutely crucified. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm not comparing their character. I'm not comparing... The only... All else being equal, the only thing that I'm comparing is that a lot of these men have... And they are usually men. A lot of these men have these self-aggrandizing myths about themselves and the they tell these stories about themselves that are total bullshit obviously on their face yeah and so that that's all i'm saying don't come for us <laughs> yeah and you know i'm trying to i'm trying to swear less on the show people who read my writing are really surprised when they meet me in person that i am basically gay filth that's <laughs> that's my brand my brand is gay filth. And I know. It's like I would love to for my broader people to listen to these, but you're going to have to make some bleaked versions of, yeah. my, of my stuff to like, do that. But. And that everyone is just so surprised by that because they read my writing, they read my blog, or they follow me on Twitter, and they're like, oh, Stephen, you're so eloquent and insightful. And then they meet me in person, and they're all stunned. And there, one person on Twitter actually called me, you know, unnecessarily blasphemous. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it really is just the way I am. I'm going to try to, like hold it back some because I understand that lots of different kinds of people listen to this show but this really is the way I talk like this is the way I talk with my yeah. partner this is the way I talk with my friends this is the way it's I the talk way you with, talk with me it's the way I talk with you it's the way I talk with my co-workers like this is this has always been the way I talk you know that's the cool thing about being the only reason I don't cuss a lot is not because I think it's wrong it's just that I never did and so it takes effort for me to curse yeah whereas I was was, you know, my best friend growing up was Miss Ida Carolina, the insult comic drag queen. And so I'm just constantly trying to one up each other. Yeah. And, and so we were constantly trying to one up each other in filth. And that has just stayed, even though now I'm this Christian blogger and communicator you know so whatever yeah it, it is what it well, is anyway it, we're getting back anyway, on track so joiner claimed that several years later once federal agents had learned all the information about which he had prophesied god finally allowed them to find and kill bin laden Okay. What I told them that they would find, he said, was how much China was behind world terrorism and how they were using many different things, including Islamic terrorism. They were inciting that against us and other things using North Korea because they had a long-term strategy to wear us out. Okay. First of all, I don't know if you can see this, but I'm going to... Can you see pictures here? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Can you see this lady in this video? <laughs> she looks like a Barbie doll. Oh my god, she I mean, looks like a look, sex doll. Look at her eyes. Like those are like cult. If there is a, if there is a stereotypical cult person, it's like it's like I'm talking about Jesus, but I'm dead inside. <laughs> those are those are empty <laughs> black holes. <laughs> okay, so I I actually have an observation here. Woo. One of the things that that this is 
bringing up for me is the fact that Trump is surrounded by these people. And Trump takes his intel from these people. And of course, I don't know to what degree. I don't know how much and all that all that stuff. But we do know that he's a fan of Alex Jones, infamous lunatic conspiracy theorist. How does that guy not drop dead? Yeah, I'm waiting for him to like internally hemorrhage on on set (laughs) on camera (laughs) i'm waiting for him to have a heart attack so we listen to this and and it sounds lunatic and it is lunatic but we have to remember that this is actually very powerful stuff so on that note on that note i want to quickly you you segued perfectly this will only take a second but i took the liberty to go and find out who exactly is on this evangelical advisory board yes just gonna list the names Michelle Bachman. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. A former congresswoman. A.R. Bernard, senior pastor, Christian cult. Mark Burns, Tim Clinton. Could you read their, could you read their titles as well, like, yes. like where they pastor? So A.R. Bernard is a senior pastor of Christian Cultural Center. Mark Burns is the pastor of Harvest Praise and Worship Center. Tim Clinton is the president of the American Association of Christian Counselors. Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. Oh, God. Of Don't Get the Flu Shot, Jesus Gave You the Flu Shot fame. Yes. James Dobson. Uh, author and founder of Focus on the Family. Yeah. Oh, the lovely and the wonderful Jerry Falwell Jr., president of Liberty University. Ronnie Floyd, senior pastor of Cross Church. Jensen Franklin, senior pastor of Free Chapel, who is not that bad, by the way. He's okay. Okay. Jack Graham, senior pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church. I'll give him this. They have a killer choir. Harry Jackson, senior pastor of Hope Christian Church. Robert Jeffress. <laughs> oh, God, Robert Jeffress. Senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas. Yeah, he's nuts. David Jeremiah, senior pastor of Shadow Mountain Community Church. Richard Land, president of the Southern Evangelical Seminary. James yep. McDonald, yep. founder and senior pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel. Johnny Moore, yep. president of the Eros. Robert Morris, senior pastor of Gateway Church. Tom Mullen, senior pastor of Christ Fellowship. Ralph Reed, founder and Faith and Freedom Coalition. James Robinson, founder of Life Outreach International. Tommy Suarez, executive vice president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. Jay Strack, president of the Student Leadership University. Paula White, who is on my list, senior pastor of New Destiny Christian Church Center. Tom Winters, attorney, and Celie Yates, attorney. Wow, okay. So, so lots of loons. Lots um, of loons, baby. <laughs> it's, a, it's a flock. It's a veritable yeah. flock of loons. Speaking of which, Paula White is the next on my list. All right, well, let's move on. So, now, everybody will probably be familiar with this because she made headlines with this comment just a few weeks ago, really. Oh, here it is. From July 11th. This one is actually not written by Kyle. This one's written by Christina Cabrera. Thank you, Christina Cabrera. Okay, Pastor Paula White. Oh, she's the chair of President Donald Trump's Evangelical Advisory Board. Oh, good. She's the great chairwoman. Defended Trump's child separation policy earlier this week by claiming that Jesus did not live in Egypt illegally. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And that he would not have been our Messiah if he'd broken the law. He broke the fucking law. That's why he was fucking crucified. 
ladies and gentlemen, the holding back on cussing is not going to work on me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was, that's why he was crucified. It's because he made the powers that be angry. Paula White has also been invited several times to come study at my seminary, and she has also declined. After gushing over how amazing the child detention center she visited was... Oh, God. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. White addressed immigration advocates' point that Jesus himself was a refugee. Yes, he did live in Egypt for three and a half years, the televangelist told CBN News. CBN News. Let that sink in for a minute, Pat Robertson's people. Also, uh, the ancient world had very different notions of... But it was not illegal. If he had broken the law, then he would have been sinful, and he would not have been our Messiah, White added. In fact, in fact, Jesus was famously crucified for breaking the law. Thank you, Christina. Yes, my point exactly. <laughs> Several Christian leaders weren't having it with White's take. Reverend Barber slammed her for it. James Martin slammed her for it. Chuck Curry, I don't know who that is, but Jesus was not an illegal immigrant. So, you know, anybody who he is is, is unchristlike. The tortured reasoning, the tortured logic that these people utilize to defend their position is incredible. I have no words for that one. Like, I I, I I, used to like her, Stephen. Yeah, I understand. I mean, there was a time when she was when she was okay. I mean, but uh, clearly she's not anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean... Isn't that the case with so many of these people, though? Is that, you know, something that I, I do think needs to be clarified is that by I, and large... Unless you're Pat Robertson, he's always been crazy. Yeah, he's always been crazy. Is, is that, you know, by and large, our society is becoming... more secularized and more humane. And I genuinely believe that. More reasonable, more secular, more humane. And I think that's good. But I think as that progress is happening, religious people are, a lot of people are being pushed further right to the far right. And so there is the, and, and so a lot of the people who are staying within these circles are being pushed further right or like you are being pushed further left. Yeah. And by the way, we will <laughs> we will eventually take over. And I mean the the far right fringe knows that. They know that these are these are the death gurgles that we're reading about. <laughs> the death gurgles. This is always something that I kind of struggle with whenever I do a show like this is how much how powerful is this really, you know? And, well, that's the problem. This, this woman has the ear of the president. Yeah, of exactly. The United States. And the thing is, is yes, absolutely, these beliefs are fringe. They're very fringe. But somehow, I mean, my own personal conspiracy theory is something did happen on December 21st, 2012, that we just stepped into some kind of alternate reality. <laughs> You know, we're in one of them parallel universes that they keep talking about. But uh, it's, uh, I don't really believe that, people. I prom- okay, I'm just, I'm just joking. But it's, uh, it, it blows my mind 
that in 2018, this fringe, the racist and bigots on the one hand and these religious nut jobs on the other, and unfortunately there's quite a bit of overlap there. Yeah, they're still considered fringe by mainstream society, but they have a voice. Yes. And their voices are very loud. And, you know, the fact that we would ever see the, the names on ballots that we're seeing right now is is unprecedented to me. That's why I want to do these kind of things, because if I don't make fun of this stuff, I will go literally insane. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it's unprecedented, because I think that America has always had a history yeah. of fringe religion, and I think that is a uniquely American thing. Jonestown, Waco... All of these different things, they, they, the really famous fringe religious movements, they tend to be American. I mean, there are a few exceptions, but a lot of them tend to be American. And of course, these things have infiltrated politics. So I think that I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it definitely is worrisome. And this current rise of it feels unprecedented within our lifetimes. It's the perfect example of failing to see the writing on the wall. Yeah. I mean, when when things like Jonestown and Waco, Ruby Ridge, the Oklahoma City bombing, when when things like that happened in the early 90s when you and I were, ch- were small children, you know, they weren't heeded as these people exist and eventually they will find their voice. Right. Now they have. But, you know, oh, so you wanted to read one. So how about how about you read the one about Pat Robertson? Okay, I'll read the one about Pat Robertson. Okay, so here we go. Pat Robertson says, from Right Wing Watch, Pat Robertson says, totally bogus Fox News scandals are the result of a conspiracy to destroy the network. I'm pretty sure they do a good job of that on their own. Yep. Yep, they do. And this is by Kyle Mantilla. Thank you, Kyle. Televangelist and religious right leader Pat Robertson asserted on his 700 Club program today that a recent string of sexual harassment allegations involving Fox News personalities are, quote, totally bogus and the result of some nefarious conspiracy to destroy the network. Robertson was reacting to reports that Fox News host Eric Bowling has been suspended amid an investigation into allegations that he had sent lewd photos to several female colleagues, which followed harassment allegations against the network's late CEO Roger Ailes and popular host Bill O'Reilly, among others. As Robertson sees it, some unnamed people have probably been sending, quote, salacious material to women and framing Fox News hosts in order to decimate the network's primetime line. Okay, okay, so I have to get, as much as it pains me, Uh to give Pat Robertson any credit. At least he's not totally denying these women's stories. He's, he's, he's yeah, saying, yeah, somebody probably sent this this filth to women, but it's not the Fox News people. Oh, so God. there is at least that. So if there's a little tiny glimmer of light, there's that. Yeah, I guess we can call that a silver lining. <laughs> anyway. Not that I want, not that I, the only reason I bring that up is because, as you have introduced me as a major feminist, at least he is acknowledging that something actually happened to the women. Yeah, that is true. That is a good point. But that's probably all going to go down the toilet here in a minute. Easy to do, 
Absolutely, Robertson insisted. Is it being done? Probably. And the <laughs> latest attack is against a guy named Eric Bowling, who I think is a straight arrow. He was on this program. He's a dedicated Catholic. Goes to mass every day. A very nice man. They're pull it, they've pulled him off the air because somebody sent some pictures ostensibly over his name. So easy to do now, and anybody can make charges, he continued. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is going on, and they could easily do it. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, uh-huh. But it's so easy to see what is being done. I think it's a terrible shame, and Fox had better gird up their loins and realize <laughs> that people... <laughs> Bad choice of words, Pat. Bad! Bad! <laughs> gird up their loins and realize that people are going after them and know that this is a game that people are playing. Anybody could send a salacious piece of literature and say it came from Sean Hannity or it oh, came wait, from oh, this wait. one. Or it, or it came from the other one. Totally bogus. Robertson said that Fox must stop letting its lawyers handle these allegations and just let the programmers run the network. Yeah, because... Okay. Oh, goddamn. Woo! Uh... First of all, it's these people's loins that got them in trouble in the first place. <laughs> exactly. They've been girding them too much. And or if girding else. means putting them in a chastity belt. Yeah. Then I by mean, all means. And really and truthfully, you know, not to be cruel, but the, and people, I, I'm saying this for comedic effects, so don't shoot me, but when it comes to, to claims of sexual harassment and sexual uh, indiscretion, Saying somebody is a dedicated Catholic is not the best offense. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, at least not right now. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, saying someone is a good Christian period is not the best offense because the number of both Protestant and Catholic leaders who have sexually harassed adults and children is just staggering. And I'm, I mean, there, I want to have someone on to talk about the Protestant sex scandal because yeah. that is breaking. It's just as bad. And it's, it's just it, as bad. You know, I know her, my mother had not, not saying my mother was a victim. She wasn't, but one of her best friends growing up was the pastor at the time's daughter. And this, so this hits really close to home. We didn't find out. And mom spent the night in their home in the parsonage and come to find out this hellfire and brimstone pastor who was always teaching about ethics and holiness and all that was committing incest against his daughter the whole time. Yeah. And I mean, so you can't also on a more on a much lighter note, anytime you have to preface something with I am not a conspiracy theorist. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I'm not a racist, but I'm not a racist, but I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but yeah, it's a problem. You know, I, my temptation every time, my temptation every time I read this stuff or talk about it or do a show about it, my instinct is to just really try to psychoanalyze this stuff and try to figure out what the fuck is going on. But do you ever, I mean, this would be a question for John too, but you know, I've had psychology training and, uh, you know, a lot of that, it, you know, being a minister and such, you, you, you get to know human nature pretty well. Is there ever a time, even though you might have all this training and knowledge that it just some people are just plum crazy? <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I mean, plum. you know what I mean? You know, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, they're just off their nut. I mean... Basically, what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is, are there times when people have no explanation for their behavior? Yeah. 
they're just nuts. I mean, it's like I don't know because I don't because my intuition tells me that we still live in a material world, and I believe our brains run by you know the laws of physics and there is such a thing as cause and effect and so there's a reason for everything and that's kind of my philosophy i think that probably there's a lot of stuff out there i think i think the psych the world of psychology knows a lot less than it says it does probably and i think john would probably admit that i think that we have a tendency to over diagnose i think we have a tendency to 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 misdiagnose things but none of that is to say that people are are crazy just because they're crazy i think that there's a reason for everything and actually i think that's one of the reasons why i'm fascinated by really dark stuff i think that's one reason why i'm really fascinated by really terrifying dark things be it politically or theologically or just in general so like psychologically and whatnot I'm fascinated by dark, scary things or confusing things because I operate under the assumption that there's a reason for everything, that something is is acting in a certain way because something brought it here. And none of this is not at all meant to be a criticism of what you just asked. I think it's a good yeah. question, you know, and so I'm not this isn't a hit at you at all. Oh, I um, know. Yeah, none taken. But, but I think that. I do sometimes wonder that that people don't investigate darkness. I think that sometimes sometimes people yeah. don't investigate insanity because there's just the assumption that crazy is just crazy and that there is no good reason for it or that there is no road up to that point. That there that there is no explanation for darkness. And I think that there is, and that's my bias. Right. Because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things with, like, Pat Robertson. The fact that he's, like, 150 years old. I mean, it's... <laughs> he looks like a fucking mannequin. He looks I, like someone is... He looks like a, a fucking, like, ventriloquist now, doll. again, I'm not the type of slam comedian that... Like, I have to preface my jokes before I say them. I love <laughs> elder... I love the elderly. My great-grandmother is 97 years old, and she is the pride and joy of my life. Uh-huh. But even she's smarter than but she is way smarter than this man. She has a she's had a stroke and she's still smarter than this man. <laughs> I mean I mean it's uh you know, this anytime Pat Robertson talks now, it's like he has you know, grandpa has escaped from the nursing home and found a camera. Oh, you know God. what I Yes, it is. You it's know like, what I mean? It's like he escaped from the nursing home and wandered into a studio. It's like he es- he wandered into a, a set and and just the people around the- him instead of being like now grandpa, we got to <laughs> we, we we've got to it's time it's like yeah, yeah, conspiracy, conspiracy. It's time for it's it's lunchtime. You know, they put him in a suit, put makeup on him and let him talk. Uh, yes. I don't know if it's dementia. I, I, I mean, and I'm not making light of dementia or Alzheimer's, but you know, there comes a point where 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 you just don't. I mean, if you won't let a person drive, you shouldn't let them on TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you know, if you've had to take the car keys away, take the camera and the microphone away too. Yes, exactly. And again. I apologize if people are offended. That's not, uh, I'm not making fun of the elderly in general, just Pat Robertson. I think this is your your old Appalachian sentiments coming out. It is, it is, because, oh God. Anyway, moving on to the one that really got my goad. Is the, uh, how about if this be the last one? Okay, this is a good one to end on, actually, because this will require some, some, some talking. Okay. 
Do you know who Lance Wall now is? I do. Oh, God. I wish I didn't. I didn't know who this was okay. until I read this. And it, it this one actually, I don't know if I'll be doing much making fun of it because it's it actually makes me sick. This is, again, by Kyle. Lance Wall now. Students protesting for gun control are as dangerous as the brown shirt Hitler youth. Okay. Last night, right-wing preacher Lance Wallnow participated in a live stream discussion for the Truth and Liberty Coalition, which is a new religious right venture created with Pastor Andrew Womack. Oh, God. During the program, Wallnow declared that the tens of thousands of students who have been marching and protesting for gun control in the wake of the Parkland, Florida shooting are as dangerous as the brown shirt Hitler youth. I'm still upset over the fact that 3,000 schools with children 14, 15, and 16 were organized by, I'm sorry to say, left-wing, no, you're not sorry, left-wing Democratic mobilizers to be forced to have to go out and have their first experience of doing public protest and, in a sense, to raise a fist of frustration at government, feeding into this whole sick culture that we have on the left of perpetual discontent and organized protest. I thought that was called the First Amendment, but that's just... Yes! Okay, let me interrupt. A lot of these people are free speech advocates, and that is their platform. That's what Uh, they're obsessed with until... Until? Until they don't like the consequences of free speech. Until the consequences of free speech work against them. And then suddenly, they're opposed to it. Or suddenly, they're silent about it. Or suddenly, it's immoral. Exactly. Exactly. And Wallenau fumed. These kids, whether they wanted to or not, not have peer pressure. Teachers, students, propagandize them and making them go out and march. Oh God, not the children. The left is lawless, he added. They create lawlessness and then they raise up a rebellion out of the very lawlessness they create. So all these kids marching and having their posters made and organized, this is, in my opinion, it's as dangerous as Hitler raising up the brown shirt Hitler youth and forcing them to become politicized and weaponized. (sighs) (laughs) From from, From age 10 to 14... I know most adults aren't prepared to discuss the Second Amendment profoundly, let alone a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old. This is an abuse of political leverage through the school system, which tells us the left will politicize anything and everything. From the Academy Awards, to the Golden Globes, to schools and high school, and there is only an agenda. There is always an agenda, and the agenda is power, not righteousness. Uh Uh-huh. It's that last line. It's about power, not righteousness. Can't that be said of the far right as well? The far right is hungry for power. And I see a lot of deflecting and I see a lot of projecting. And I will be the first to admit that there is a lot of shady bullshit on the left. I will be the yes, first I will be the absolutely. first to criticize the left. And I ca- I am on the left and I will be the first to criticize the left. I'm the exact same. And it's, you know, the thing of it is though. <laughs> first of all, first of all. This man doesn't know simple history. No, he doesn't. The founder of the Red Cross was 15 when she founded it. Mhm. Several of these well-known companies and organizations that we have now were founded by teenagers. Yeah. I didn't know that about the Red Cross. So to say that a a child, first of all, throughout centuries, children have worked in factories. Children 
have fought in wars. Children, you know, all over the world are forced to do things that adults won't do. Yes. You know, so to say that they're not capable of forming an to say that they're not capable, I mean, to me, it's not a big, it's not this big philosophical thing for a child to say, I want to go to school and not be afraid I'm going to get shot. Right. Well, also, like the civil rights movement was full of a lot of young people. A lot of movements have been the young. And this right here shows why ultimately the right cannot last. Mm. First of all, it, uh, there was a lot of 10 to 14 year olds, but it was organized by a whole slew of teenagers that will, be, that e they may not be eligible to vote in the midterms, but they will be eligible to vote in 2020. Exactly. And the fact that you are alt openly insulting, first of all, as a pastor, who do you think is going to be running Christianity in a few years when you're dead and grown? Mm-hmm. You know, to alienate, to say that you're too young to understand, you know, no, first of all, no, they're not. A child from an infant, safety and protection is their number one instinct. Right. So the, the want and the drive to, to be in a safe environment is with us from the time we come out of the womb. Yeah. So by the time you're 10 and you're 14, I mean, do you remember being 10 years old? I know that was a long time ago for mm -hmm. us. I do. I mean, were you able to understand the things you heard on the news? Not really. Really? I wasn't able to. You know. I but, mean, well, no, I, I'll rephrase. I didn't care. <laughs> Well, I mean, most of us didn't, but when anything really major happened, you know, me and you were both 14 when 9-11 happened. Oh, yeah. We, we got you know, that. Did we fully grasp what had happened? No, but we knew enough. And I, and I uh, was scared of Y2K. Yeah, I was too, because do you remember... Well, you went to Christian school. They probably didn't have these. But it, for those of us in public school, we got these little things every week called weekly readers. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I didn't get any of those. Uh you poor dear. Uh, they were about the size of, uh, they were like a little miniature magazine, news magazine, that was that was written for children. And they we usually would read them in social studies class. They had them on Y2K. Huh. I remember vividly a line in it that says, it was like this story of children being terrified because satellites and planes were falling out of the sky. And this was public school literature. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> you know, I mean... I remember being in the first grade and us attend, and we had a memorial service for the Oklahoma City bombing. Something bad happened and people got hurt. Yeah. And that that wasn't good. Yeah. You know, so by the time a child is 13, 14, 15, 16, especially if they were in, and you know this better than anybody. Hmm. Especially if they were in a shooting. Yeah. Because keep in mind, the first organizers of this were the survivors of the Parkland City shooting. So for you, sir, not you, but you know who I'm talking to. Yeah. For you, Pastor, I use that word loosely, Wallenau, to criticize these young people after they have been through that kind of trauma. How dare you? Yeah. Fuck you. You know, <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. And to set, and first of all, how dare you do that to them just based on the trauma? And also, how dare you insult their intelligence? Yeah. To say that they are controlled. First of all, if you were in 
Hitler Germany and you were a boy, you had to join the Hitler Youth. It wasn't a choice. Yes. You were forced. Because keep in mind, military service was compulsory. When you turned 18, you joined the Nazis, whether you wanted to or not. Yeah. You know, and they groomed them through the Hitler Youth. And Mm. so it was compulsory. They were made to do it. And they lived in a propaganda environment. If you want to compare that to anything, compare that to Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. I can't help but feel that so much of this is rooted in a very deep insecurity and fear. And I might be totally wrong about this, but I can't help but feel that this sort of blindness, these kinds of words have to be rooted in a deep insecurity and a deep fear. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. And from a metaphysical perspective and from a spiritual perspective, I think there's when you boil everything down, you have two options in life. Mm. You can live out of love or you can live out of fear. Yeah. Fear is what produces hatred. It's what produces everything that we've always called sin. Yes. All the negative things come from fear of the other. Yeah. Or fear that somebody else is going to have more than you do. Exactly. I was about to say that. Like fear of losing power. Yeah. And that's what I think. First of all, the adults are scared to death of young people. Because young people will actually get the job done. Yeah. You know, they won't shut up. Yeah. And... You know, the fact of the ma- and the fact of the matter is is every person in politics knows that eventually it's these young people that are gonna be running the country and they're already saying this is the values we stand on. We need common sense gun laws. We need this and we need that. So yes, you know, buckle up, buttercup, because it's about to get real. Mm-hmm. Because their jobs are at stake. And the thing is is for this whole series is for the is for religion to spiritualize this fear mm, is yeah. the greatest is the greatest sin of all it's the great danger of religion isn't it it's the great danger of religion because when you start saying god is against these people mm. then you 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 get justified in doing things that are just completely inhumane and completely evil yeah when we conflate revelation with our own fears and insecurities. And that's the key, because I don't know how you were taught, Stephen, but I was taught that the spiritual gifts of which prophecy and revelation were, were in the list, that they were for the sole purpose of building a person up mm-hmm. or of edifying, that's a theological word, for, uh, I guess, just build up is what it means, to encourage to lift up the spirit of the church and of the individual. So, or at least that's what I was taught it was. And for people to use those things to promote fear, to promote hatred, to promote just absolute false narratives is a misuse. That is what blasphemy is. Yeah, absolutely. That blasphemy is not making a joke. God's yeah. got a sense of humor. I hate to break it. <laughs> we're, we're made in God's. If we're, if we're, if as a Christian minister, I'm going to truly believe that I am made in the image and likeness of my creator. If I have a sense of humor, then God has a sense of humor too. Yeah, absolutely. It boggles my mind that we have people claiming to follow a God who first and foremost is love. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, we'll, we'll say that. We'll say that, but they, they don't believe it because what comes out of their mouth is not love. It's fear. Yes, because they have conflated their own insecurities with divine revelation. And all religions boil down, it all boils down to that. I think every esoteric, every mystical, every religious teaching boils down to you can live out of love or you can live out of fear. If you live out of fear, that is going to cause nothing but chaos and destruction and eventually your own destruction. Yeah whether that's mentally, physically, career, whatever. But if you live out of love, if you live out, if you live your life from a place where you don't believe you lack anything, mm. where you don't believe that this person has more, where you truly believe there's enough stuff to go around, and there really is, if we just redistribute, uh, <laughs> word for the Republicans, if we, <laughs> if, if we redistribute it a little differently, there's, a, there's plenty to go around. Yes. You know, there's plenty of love to go around. There's plenty of resources to go around. There's no reason to be afraid of this person or that person. Yes. Because ultimately, they're a human being just like you and me are. Yes. You know, I'm not afraid of Republicans. I feel I'm not afraid of right wing fringe people. I feel sorry for them. Yeah, me too. Because can you imagine? I want to know how they are able to sleep at night without a bunch of pills. Yeah. If this is what's constantly on their mind. I know some of them, and uh, they they aren't well. I'll just say that. They aren't yeah. well people. It's people I desperately want to come to me for Reiki sessions. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's like, let's see if we can't, ba- you know, let's see if we can't balance a shocker or two and see if you don't feel a little better. You know, it, <laughs> it, it, it's like, uh, you know, but yeah, this one really got me because it's like, First of all, having known you for so long and known the the lasting trauma that these kids are going to to be involved with. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know what Donald's talking about right now, I I am a survivor of a shooting. I have a podcast about that just called Surviving a Shooting, and you can go listen to that if yeah. you want to. And, uh, you know, I've known you for a long time now, and I, I've seen the dark times. Yeah, you have. You've seen it pretty up close. I've seen it pretty up close, and these kids are in for a hard ride. Yes, they are. The fact that they are taking their trauma... First of all, these kids are doing something that the right are not doing. I think they are coming from a place... They're coming from a place of of justice. They're coming from a place of love to say, we don't want this to happen to anybody else again. Yeah. You know, that's the difference. That's why they're going to win and Lance Wallenau is going to is going to go into pure obscurity because they're coming from a place of I want to protect yeah, future generations from going through the trauma. Yes. And the and the struggle and the the struggles that you know all too well. Yeah. And you do that, too. You know, there's a difference. I don't know what the other people who survived, I don't know how they're doing. Yeah. You know, I'm speaking about the YWAM shooting. Yeah, I don't know either, honestly. I haven't stayed in touch. But you have, you and the Parkland survivors have really shown a very important, I think, and I'm speaking as a minister now, as a spiritual truth. And that is, you can't help what happens to you. Yeah. But you can help how you use that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as horrible as that was, it's it's made you the person that you are. Yeah. You know, and you're using that and you're using that place 
with this podcast to inform people, to love on people, really, because the overarching message of your podcast is, you know, if you're crazy and you know it, clap your hands because you're, you know, you know, you're, you know, you're. You're because you're exactly how you're supposed to be. Yes. Whether that's gay, straight, whatever, Satanist, Christian, atheist, whatever, you know, that's who you are. Own it, love it, be it, you know, that kind of yes. thing. Yes. That's what I think the right wing is most afraid of. That's why I, I think they re- that's why I think they react like this. Because they know especially if they're a minister, you know, you've got to know as a spiritual leader that when you're coming from a place of justice and love instead of a place of fear and hatred, we know you can't be a spiritual leader and not know which one's going to come out on top. That got really really real for a minute. (laughs) That's good. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Yeah. So thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And thank you, Donald, for joining us for this series. Absolutely. I'm I'm sure you'll be back onto the show sometime soon. I also need to thank... Uh, Right Wing Watch and People for the American Way for doing all this work of cataloging all the crazy, all the crazy bullshit. And of course, everything used in this two-part series was used with permission by the People for the American Way. So for those of you who want to support this show, you can go to sbradfordlong.com where you can read and share my dozens of articles on faith and doubt and sexuality uh, and mental health. Okay, I have to plug two for you. Yes. Since I did pull out my minister hat today a little bit, I want to speak to other ministers and and leaders that listen to this podcast that are leaning more in a progressive bent. If you're just starting your journey and wondering where you can get information about what it's really like to to walk and live in LGBT shoes, maybe you're already starting to lean toward an affirming position, but you need more information, because I get it, I needed it too. I didn't come to my conclusions overnight. Stephen's website is a wonderful resource. Oh, well, that's sweet of you to say. Well, and I say it because it's, well, yes, I love you. and But I, I say it because it's true, because Stephen tells the real stuff. <laughs> you know, he doesn't he doesn't hold back in his articles. And so you're going to get a, a real insight into not only what it's like to be an LGBT person in the in the Christian community, but what what's some of our beliefs and what some of our doctrines actually does to people. And yeah, so definitely utilize that resource. Well, thank you so much. As usual, go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long to support the show and get a second podcast, the House of Heretics podcast, unedited conversations with me and Justin. And uh, the music is by the Jelly Rocks from the album Bang and Whimper. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify. And the artwork is by Justin Caleb Bryant. We'll see you next week.